name is Ashley Shannon, and I'm here with my co-host, Carrie McAvoy, and you're listening to the Girl Get Your Shit Together podcast, where we talk about picking up the pieces when shit falls apart. Today, we're going to talk about burnout and bad mental health days. I'm so excited, Ashley. This is a great topic. I am too. I have I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's timely. It's timely. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so... What would you say is your biggest cause of like burnout? Uh, for me, it's probably mostly physical. You know, it's when I'm doing too much or taking on too much. I think there's, when I was thinking about this topic, there's actually two, two issues. One is when I'm not feeling good and I, I deal with chronic pain issues. So I have days where I just don't feel great or I'm, I'm kind of dragging and, and it will be a period of time. It will be like for several days, weeks, maybe even a month or so. Then the other was when I was raising kids and the kids were your age, your kids' ages. I just found that super challenging. I I raised a family of neurodivergent children. And so it was super difficult. I didn't know that. No one put the label on. We know now, we know now that all my kids are on the autistic spectrum somewhere, but I didn't know that. But wow, wow. Life, daily life was a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. So how about you? What what's what causes yours? Oh, you know, kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my kids are like, it's obviously a big issue. Um, you know, raising neurodivergent children um by myself. Um and there's that plus being like um, you know, having ADHD uh myself which actually I think causes probably 90% of my burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, Dealing with my kids is a lot, um, but I find a lot of joy in it most of the time. Not all the time, I will be completely honest. There are some times I find no joy in being a mom. Okay, I'm I'm going to admit something, and my kids are old enough they can handle hearing this if they ever listen to this, which they probably won't, but I did not enjoy being a mom. It was not a gifting for me. I'm on the autistic spectrum as well. And I didn't enjoy babysitting and I didn't enjoy being a mother either. To me, it was sheer survival. And I had three, I mean, I had three boys all on the ASD spectrum. Um, Yeah, so for me, it was gutting it out, literally, literally gutting that out. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, I think. Um, I really thought that like, I wasn't gonna be, a good mom. I really thought that I didn't want to be a mom. Um, my mom, uh, bless her. And I, I get it now, but when you hear this and you're younger, you're kind of like, mm, fuck you. But she would always tell us, you know, don't have kids. I should have never had kids, <laughs> which is hard to hear when you're a teenager, but I get it now. My mom's like you, um, she really should not have had kids. And, but I think that people just you know that's what you do right well my first was oops so you know it wasn't planned it was um I I found out I got pregnant when I was getting ready to defend my dissertation and uh so here I am in an internship and I'm pregnant and I'm gonna have to break the internship while I'm trying to finish my PhD and but I I you know I I I'm wanted to have the child and I, I believed in that there was a purpose to this. So when I, but once you, I was on the family train, I didn't want a single kid. So then I started having the rest of the family. I, I, I am a good mom, 
but being a mom took extraordinary work for me to do it because I just don't, I don't like focusing on the childcare piece. I don't like supervising somebody else. So I have my projects. So I felt like it, it wasn't a mistake me being a mom, but it was, it was way outside my comfort zone. It, it was a, a very costly emotional task for me to do that. So um, I'm thankful, very, very thankful that I did it now. Um, but but I, I definitely, for a lot of those years, was in sheer survival mode. And, and I've since, you know, as a, as a psychologist, I've counseled other mothers who, who have had neurodivergent children or maybe are a little wired more like me that, yeah, I've seen others like struggle. And I don't feel like there's permission for us to say that, that somehow we're to like and enjoy or like motherhood's the most sacred, most powerful spiritual experience in the world. And it, it's tough. I mean, it's, I'm going to swear, fucking hard. It's very hard. <laughs> I think, you know, I've always been in that camp of, I didn't want to be a mom. I have two oopsie babies. Um, and that's okay. Because I feel like it was meant to happen. Um, but it is, like, I have almost always feel, even though I love my kids and I love caring for them, I, like I'm in survival mode. Mm -hmm. you know and it's one of those things where it's I feel like people feel like they're not allowed to be like oh my god I can't stand my kids today or whatever um and I I'm not you know I don't believe in that at all I think there are times where your kids are jerks and there's times where I'm jerk I'm a jerk you know what I mean like it's human nature and we should be able to talk about that but um you know I'm I'm really good at you know doing paperwork doesn't mean I want to do it and it doesn't mean that I find it fulfilling so I think that you can be a good mom and still be like mm, maybe I shouldn't have been a mom you know yeah it's fun so. I had a I had a friend that was a mother at the same time she was an older older woman who had kids she was 38 when she had her first and she used to call me up and her boys were sort of similarly wired to mine and she'd say Carrie I'm either they're going to commit suicide or I'm going to commit homicide I need you to help me today and I just love that she would say that, I mean, you know, that it, it normalized it, that I wasn't the only one who felt like that. So yeah, for me, you know, even if we, if we pull the lens back, because I certainly don't mean for us to say men bad mental health days or survival just related to motherhood, but I think that for all of us, there are things that are outside our comfort zone, things that we're not the best at or great at that certainly tax us or are hard. You know, maybe we're in a period, I was thinking of there are those of us who get, end up with periods in a marriage, for example, where something's really going difficult, like maybe a spouse is ill, chronically ill. Um, I think of people who are caring for elderly parents who have Alzheimer's. I mean, there's like lots of things that can happen in one's life that are just hard, just really hard and maybe require something from us that we normally that I go above and beyond, you know, that really challenge us and it can create stress and then stress can have an effect and affect us mentally. So yes, for me, that was one of the periods of time that caused a really, I had to fight. Okay, so truth, true story here. I, st I catch myself there for a while when they were about maybe, I don't know, I, when I had three in six and a half years. So maybe they're from 12 to six or 12 to five. I started to say, I'm about ready to get a gun out and start shooting. And I would say that a lot. And I realized what I was saying. I'm thinking, I got to get my shit together because it's really not okay, you know? 
So I think that all of us have periods where we catch ourselves and we're realizing we're degrading into someplace kind of dark and not okay, you know? <laughs> I think part of that is just um, sometimes our sense of humor. Um, and I at least know, like, maybe not with Graham now, but I mean, for the past, like, for the first five years of his life, you know, I could get away with making jokes that he just wouldn't get, you know, like, you need to stop or I'm going to drive off the first cliff I see, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> which he didn't really get that. And I have kind of a dark sense of humor, you know, but the other thing I was thinking about is that bad, bad mental health days for some of us are because we're having bad mental health days, right? We're struggling with depression or we're having a period of anxiety or maybe our work is going to hell or there's something happening in our life that we're out of control of that we are experiencing. I know for me, surviving that last abusive relationship, I mean, I was just in chronic stress and in physically ill and, and it was just costing me a whole lot. Sometimes we don't realize it's happening, you know, that it's such an incremental, it's like the boiling water, slowly, the water gets slowly getting hot and become boiling. We didn't even realize that we're staying into a situation that's become toxic for us. So there are, I found there are lots of reasons that I have bad, mental health days or bad periods how about for you have you noticed that as well um, yeah you know for a long time you know people tell you you have ADD or whatever um because I was diagnosed in college um but nobody really explains what that means you know everyone hears ADD or ADHD and they think you know hyperactive little boys um and you know it, they don't really talk about what that means for adults so I would go through these like chronic stages of like hyperfixation for a few hours and then be like burnt out. Mm -hmm. And I would never understand that. I had been labeled from a very early age by counselors as an extrovert, um, as somebody who was very like social, wanted to go out all the time, all these different things. Um, and come to find out that I'm an introvert who was just trying to mask trauma and not deal with my own issues so I was going out and drinking all the time but then I would just be like exhausted and burnt out because I had to deal with people so much so partly what you're saying and I think this is a really really good point Ashley is that sometimes burnout happens when there's a mismatch between our personality versus the situation that we're in and sometimes we don't even realize there's a mismatch it's interesting you said that you reminded me of my college days I was super alone and I am on the autistic spectrum. And part of my problem is social interactions, which I know is very ironic as a psychologist, but see, actually, if you think about it, it makes sense. I went into psychology to decode the world. It, conf right. I, it confused me. So my thought was, if I could understand the rules then maybe I can engage better. So, well, here I am in a new situation. It's complex social environment. I'm living on campus. I can't fig figure it out and I'm super alone. And I remember that first year, oh, I, I thought I would, the, the loneliness I thought would drown me. I was doing great academically. All, the teachers loved me, but I had almost no friends. It was miserable, really miserable. Yeah, I was the same way. Um, I had like no friends in college. Um, and uh, so I made friends online. And that was always easier. That wasn't like, we didn't really Skype or anything. Um, back then there wasn't a lot of video calls. 
Um, so it was just texting and I'm great over text message. I'm not even like that awkward. Right. Every other time I'm super awkward, right, right, right. <laughs> you know? And so it was like, that definitely kind of saved me. Cause I, yeah, I didn't have any friends for like the first year and a half of college, like not even like online friends, you know? And, um, that really takes a toll on your mental health because being an introvert doesn't mean that I don't want people in my life. I don't want to talk to people. It just means that like social, big social gatherings and being out of my house really just tires me. I explain it. It's like, we do something that you really enjoy, but it's, it's like hard work. It's like going on a hike. You may super enjoy the hike, but say that it's a strenuous hike. It's a, it's like a a big vertical climb. It takes a lot out of you to do it. You may have a blast doing it, but you're going to pay for it at the end of the day. So that's try that's how I try to explain because they think, oh, you're introvert. That means you're shy or you don't like being around people. No, I love being around people. It just will cost me, take a lot of energy. That's all. Yeah. And I used to, it's one of those things where whenever I would have a bad, bad mental health day, and even sometimes I still do this, I'm like, oh God, what's wrong with me? I don't understand this. And it's honestly just because like, I have to kind of decode what it is about me that didn't match with that situation or you know if I've spent a day going grocery shopping going to Walmart literally ruins an entire day for me (laughs) a whole day I won't go in that's not my solution just go go to Walmart (laughs) but no I get you it's for me it's too much walking it's too much noise color options uh, too many people. I have to, it's too far across the parking lot. I mean, there's all these things that I hate about Walmart. It's not about the, the Walmart itself or even their philosophy. It's just the experience. <laughs> yeah. It's well, not only is it overstimulating for me, um, causes me great anxiety having to deal with people that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just the point of like, I have anxiety issues with, with, with strangers more than with people I know, obviously, but, it, um, uh, asking someone, can you take this to the front for me? Mm. I have anxiety issues. Like I have to, before I go to the checkout, I have to check my account. Like I have to check my list. I have to like things that I have to do, or I'm going to get up there and be like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, and I've kind of learned how to deal with these things, but it's still hard, you know, and it's still, and then you add in like, it not only overstimulates me, but it overstimulates my kids. And I know that when I get home, my kids are going to have to like completely zone out, especially Graham. He will have to zone out and be in his room by himself. And I kind of have to do the same thing. Right, right. So, you know what? We're bringing up a really good point that I think we need to like highlight. And that is, how do you know when you're burning out or it's a bad mental health day? Because often we find, we figure it out at the end when we're more in the trouble zone. We don't recognize that we're we're in the yellow zone. So have you gotten, how, how do you know when you're moving into yellow, out of green and into yellow? Um, I see, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still struggling with like being like, okay, it's, you're not lazy. You're just dealing with something. Um, because that's kind of like what I was ingrained in me when I was a kid mm-hmm. was like, I couldn't focus on something. I couldn't pay attention to something. So then I was just lazy. Um, and so I have to kind of be extremely aware of why I have to know why it's happening. So why am I procrastinating this? Is it because I don't feel good or is it because 
I just really don't want to do it because there is like that you know like I don't pros- always procrastinate because you know I'm on the edge of burnout but that's a big sign for me is like either putting something off or um like fixating on something that is not a productive behavior like uh playing video games that's that's okay. kind of my big thing so you see a behavior that you say, that says to you uh oh something's going on procrastinating or distracting is what you've noticed you know, it's mm-hmm. interesting because for me, it's the same thing. It's experiential. I pick up that something I find that I either I don't want to do it. I feel a lot of dread or I feel, um, uh, yeah, a lot of fear. Either I'm like or, or, or I know what the other one is. I feel like I'm trapped, like I don't have options. My options are gone and I and I feel like I, I can't find an out and I feel like I'm choking or something. So it's interesting, you know, and it's it's that we already, you know, I have a feeling that if I, if you viewed this like a race, we're already on the track moving towards it. And we haven't, wouldn't it be great if you could recognize it before you even stepped on the track? I, I wish that could happen. I mean, that's what I asked myself. So, okay, what mile, if I imagine the burnout is the end of the race and maybe I'm at a midpoint or maybe a third of the way, what happened just before that I didn't pick up on that might be a cue that I'm moving towards trouble. So that's what I try to do to kind of like learn earlier signs and then learn another early sign. That's what I'm trying to do, like incrementally move myself closer to the starting line, which is hard because it's probably subtle. It's like probably really like tiny, but I bet you, you I bet, wouldn't it be great if we could say, eh, that's not a good choice. I don't really want to do that. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have a list. I have a list of like in in not written down but in my head like I know if I make this choice it's going to be basically like the first step to the burnout path uh not getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. is a big one not going outside I have this thing my kids do too where we will like hunker down and just stay inside for like days Mm. and it's not healthy and it affects all of us negatively, but it's like our comfort bubble. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, not eating right, not drinking enough water. Those are both things I struggle with a lot. Um, I live on energy drinks and I really shouldn't. Um, but uh, it's those are kind of like the four things that like if I'm not paying attention to those, it's especially sleep, especially sleep and getting outside. If I don't get outside every day, it's really bad for me. Like I, I will just get super negative and it's the first, it's the first step for me. What about for you? Yeah, that's really good. Cause one of the things I've learned is I have sensory overload really fast. And so I have a bizarre one that I have, I have to do. And it's just like your list. One of my bizarre ones is I can't have the TV on until midday afternoon. If it's on earlier in the day, I'll start to get a headache and I'll start to feel bad. It'll put me into a physically bad zone because something about the sound or the way, I don't know what it is, but something bothers me, bothers me neurologically and will will give me a physical over, a hangover from it. So I just keep the TV off. In fact, if I know somebody, I won't even date somebody who wants a TV on all the time. I can't, I can't, I literally cannot live in that environment. It will make me so ill, so physically ill. So that's one of the things. I think the other thing is for me is that 
you like you getting enough sleep, you know, turning off my phone a little bit earlier so I can get drowsy. That's my problem. I'm on the phone way too late and then I'm not sleepy and then I can't fall asleep. Then I can't get, I mean, it just becomes this bad cycle. So um, that's another thing. And yeah, it's just trying to like maintain a schedule helps a lot. Some kind of a regular schedule. I think I get anxious about um, too many things not needing to be done. So I need to make a list that for me, like if it's on paper, then I know I won't forget. That's my fear. I'll forget. And then I feel like I get scared. And so if I can put it on paper, it helps me know that I'll get to it. And then I can relax and get relieved about it or feel some like less upset about it. So those are the things that help. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it does. Good self care is really important is what I've discovered. I mean, really, really important. Honestly, self care is a huge part about it, part of it. Um, and being honest and knowing your, your limits. So I used to do that and I still do it when I'm not like being self-aware of making that to-do list. Cause I'm like, I don't want to forget anything, mm-hmm. but man, if there's more than six things on that to-do list, then I don't want to fucking do anything. Really? Like it's overwhelming to see it all. Like, oh my God, these are all the things I need to do. But some, and- of, them, some of them are only a phone call or a 10 minute item. To me, I like seeing the, all the check marks next to the items. That's like, whew, look at all I did today. But granted, I have to be okay with knowing I'm going to have to move a few over. I won't get to everything. Mm-hmm. I know that, but. See, and that's where it comes with like, knowing thyself because I will I have this problem with setting goals even most on the touch side of unrealistic and then I get really super depressed when I don't hit them Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I get that I mean that's why I I think this is another part of it for me to avoid burning out because burnout is a boy and I have burned out, but part of burning out for me is to become more realistic in my expectations. So like right now I'm trying to finish revising a, a manuscript and I have 35,000 words to go. And it's easy for, I yesterday I figured out that if, to get it done by the end of the month, I need to do 1700 words a day editing every day. Now, is that realistic? Yeah, kind of, kind of not. I mean, it may not be realistic every day, but I can certainly, there'll be days I can do 2,500 and other days I may only do a thousand, but can I average that? Maybe, but I know that if the number was 3,000 and I was trying to do that, no, there's absolutely no way I could do that. It would be silly. It would be silly to set that goal. So that's part of what I've had to do is to say, okay, say for example, I have a really super messy room or a really messy closet for me to say, okay, to do it in a day, that's not realistic, but maybe I can do a half an hour of it and get a little bit of a corner of it, but it takes, it really takes being, I think this is another part of avoiding burnout and, and bad mental days. It takes a lot of self-compassion, you know, where you give yourself the same kind of leeway you you give your neighbor or a friend or our kids, you know, where we, we know that they're human. somehow we like don't apply that to ourselves and we act like we're not like we're automatons or something I was just thinking about what was it the other day I told you something it was like focus on one thing Mm -hmm. and just work on that one thing and you know you'll you'll get past it or whatever but I never I shouldn't say never but it's very hard for me to do that for myself I've actually been practicing that this week where it's like 
these are your three things. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, do I need to get more than three things done for work? Yes. Will I probably get things more than three things done for work? Yeah. But if I'm like, like this morning, it was like, fix your Asana because it got all messed up, you know, do some VA work, write a blog post. Right. Those are the three things you have to do today. Well, I got them done before noon. But mm-hmm. if I, if I was like, okay, there's 10 things you have to do today, then I would have just been like, oh, that's too much. I'm never going to get it done. I'm just going to sit here and play video games. So it comes back to, I, I really hear your point. It comes back to being honest, like very practically honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I was even thinking about a, a budget. You and I were talking about budgets earlier. And one reason budgets fail is because we don't actually know how much we spend. So we set out, oh, I'm going to like, I think as a family, we eat $800 a month. Really? Have you ever actually added it all up? You probably are not spending 800 a month. You're probably spending way, more, maybe even twice that amount. But but we, that's what we do. We overestimate or underestimate everywhere. And then we're surprised when it doesn't work. And then we feel bummed out, anxious, worked up, whatever, as a result of that. Stop attacking me. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. I, <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm the first to do it. Yeah. I, I, I tend to overestimate what I can get done and definitely underestimate how much money I spend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get it. You know, that there are times I was thinking about this topic is when you, you and I put it out there, that's what we're going to talk about today. There are times where we're just in hard periods of our life, just hard periods. I know, for example, um, I got into counseling. I, you know, I finished grad school. I had this massive debt. I promised that I would work. And then I discovered that counseling was not the right fit. I should have gone into research or academia and teaching. I made a commitment. We have to pay the debt back. And so what I did was I spent 20 years doing something that wasn't a good fit. You know, that was, that was really hard. That was, I'll tell you, that was one of the hardest things I've ever did to stick it out. I even, there was times I would go home crying on the way home. Um, Sometimes we're in a period of life where it's just is what it is. So for me, what I did to get through that was I, I focused on what I could control and I focused on the fact that it wasn't for forever. And, and then I tried to like use that as a way to cope these really, really hard things. I was thinking, for example, I know someone right now taking care of a parent who has Alzheimer's, you know, that's just, there's no getting around that. It's just yeah. no, get, no getting around that. And it, may, and it may be the worst fit for you personally in the world, but it's gotta be done. So I, I think sometimes focusing on what we can control Um, making sure that our life is bite-sized and we can manage. You know, one of the things I did, for example, is I worked until nine o'clock at night. I came home and I requested the kids be in bed so I didn't have to see them because I (laughs) I was burnt out. I was literally burnt out of people. And, you know, I I knew myself enough to set the limits so that I could go home, unwind, have something to eat and, and knew that I'd get some sleep and I'd feel better in the morning, you know? So. And I think that's important because that's, and requesting that your kids are in bed because you know that like it might be a negative situation is actually a really smart thing to do it sounds mean at first but really what would be damaging to your children is if you came home and just lost your shit exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that would actually damage your children for a long time so it's definitely like that's a smart way to do it i actually just did this i was putting so um this week I have to go to what will hopefully be the last court date to clear up the domestic situation from my last relationship. 
um, you know, I have to go and be a witness basically. And I was putting so much pressure on like, I want to look like I'm in a better place, which to me is I want to lose weight. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be, I want to be 10 pounds. You know, when the court date was like two months for that, I was like, I want to be like 20 pounds lighter. And then, you know, as the closer we got, the more I was like, well, maybe like five pounds. Yeah, he was and, like, you want to see, well, let the fucker see what he's missing. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just, you know, the glow up after you get out of the shitty, you know, the shitty relationship. But honestly, I moved states. I don't have um, any help with my kids now. So I'm working and caring for my kids simultaneously, which I wasn't doing before because my mom was helping with them. Um, you know, I've got all these new expenses that I'm taking care of on my own. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not excessively, but I'm going to eat the pizza with my kids. Like, like, I'm just like, I am not going, the one thing I'm not going to worry about until this court date is over is my weight. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm letting that go. I cannot lose 30 pounds in two days and nobody's going to notice if I lose a pound. (laughs) So like eat the cheese sticks basically, you know, Right. but letting that go and just being like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to try and get more sleep. I'm going to try and drink more water, but I'm not going to step on the scale and I'm not going to worry about that right now was like a weight lifted off. I was like, okay, now I can focus on other things. I was, I was so just like, I don't know, almost like consumed by it that when I would eat something unhealthy, I would just like bully myself about it all day long. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? The power of negative talk, the power of bad self-talk. I think that's another part of that really adds to the burnout is we don't approach ourselves compassionately. We become, we become part like a frenemy, you know, an enemy of ourselves instead of the support of ourselves. And we often don't even know that we're doing it. Yeah. It's, you know, I do that to myself a lot. Sometimes I catch it. Sometimes I don't. And sometimes it's, it's really just as simple as like, there's no way I'm going to get that done today. Yeah. So that I like talk myself out of trying, you know, it used to be on a much bigger scale where it was like, nobody's going to read my book. So I'm not even going to write it. It's not at that scale anymore. Like, but it's, it's now it's like little things. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk myself out of that outfit because I'm a bigger girl or, you know, I talk myself out of, um, it's, it really just like small things like, you know, and getting things done. And it's so funny because I'm an extremely confident person like I'll shoot my shot with any guy I'm interested in, but I'm going to convince myself that I can't get my house clean. <laughs> like it's, it's oh, like the stupidest yeah. little shit. <laughs> oh, I know. There was a whole segment of clothing I would never try. That I somehow, just because I was curvy or plus size, I felt like it was out of, I discovered some of them are, I look the best in. You know, I have great shoulders. I didn't know that. Here I was like knocking off anything that showed my neck and shoulder and realized I was losing one of my better assets. So, I, I mean, it's silly how we like, l- we limit ourselves into these tiny boxes instead, and it's out of fear or out of self-loathing or out of shame. And we don't realize that we're part of the problem, that we've yeah. created some of this ourselves. I did an experiment. I thought this was kind of hokey. And I didn't really believe in it when I did it. I was working with a team of soft softball girls 
And it had to do with the power of what we tell ourselves in our in the mind, because we say that all the time that if you have a lot of negative self talk and a really great way to do that is just turn up what you say to yourself. We all are talking to ourselves all the time, but imagine it's like a radio and you turn it up. If you're cutting yourself down and running yourself down, you're actually really literally shooting yourself in the foot. So I did this experiment with the girls and this is what I did. We'd split them into two groups and of the two groups, we split them again. So half of the girls were uh, standing across from the other girls and the girls standing across from each other, they had their arms out and they were to push, the one set was to push the arms down and the other set was facing them. And the girls with their arms out were to say to themselves, either I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, or I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. And then their, their partner was to push their arms down while they resisted as hard as possible. I thought, okay, this is really not gonna show a lot. And plus these girls are really strong. They're athletes who throw ball. I mean, come on, they, they, they bat and they throw ball. They're very strong. Would you believe the girls who said, I'm weak, I'm weak, their arms fell as if they'd never worked out in their day, just dropped. And the girls who said, I'm strong, their arms didn't budge a bit. And that was simply by what they said in their head. Can you imagine what we're doing to ourselves when we go through each day and we say, oh, I can't do that, or I'm bad at that, or I'll look stupid doing it this. You know, what? when we do that, we, we actually, it becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah, and I, I've seen that in so many areas of my life, um, you know, just from like, I bought some crop tops and I started wearing crop tops this year. I bought a bikini again. Mm -hmm. I haven't owned a bikini since I was like 150 pounds before I had a second child. And, you know, I've talked myself into that, but it's still, there's still like negative self-talk and limiting beliefs in like, I can make a hundred thousand dollars in a year. I can, you know, not necessarily have it all, but I can have a clean house and do my job. Like I really can, but I talk myself out of it every day. <laughs> right, 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 right. It is amazing how we do it or, or we just never even think to suggest it to ourselves. Like I was amazed a number of women when I started asking them, when's the last time you've made a meal that was your favorite meal that you enjoyed at home? They don't. Or do you even know what you enjoy to do in the evening? And they have no idea. They've never done it as a mom. They've been so focused on raising the family, so much chasing the kids around that they've lost sight of who they are. It's, it's, so part of it is, it's just, I guess that's where I was thinking about as like, how do we help people? How do we ourselves and help others get there, get to get a better way of life. And for me, part of it is first recognizing that it's, you're out of, that things are out of whack, you know, that you're, you, you've lost focus, that you're, you're failing to be in the picture anymore. Well, I think part of it too, is like a lot of people, I think a lot of women, especially just get in this mindset of this is as good as it can be. Mm, which is a self-limiting belief that you just, I love that word. It's yeah. a great word. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, one point I was like that, you know, I was a, I was a custodian and I was like, this is a decent paying job from where I live. And I can, you know, good benefits, retirement, you work for school. So, you know, but um, okay, like this is, this is, this is, this is as good as it can be. And it's not, you know, right. and it, it was believing that and stepping outside of the comfort of right. com like compromise. 
Right. You and know, but do you I, think it was also like facing your own fear of failure or success or whatever it was? Well, yeah. I mean, it's pumped into you. I, at least it was at people my age in high school. If you don't graduate college, you will not get a decent paying job. I didn't graduate college. Um, you know, it's pumped into you. If you have a criminal record, you're not going to get a decent paying job. I have a criminal record. It's almost a decade old, but it's still there and it will follow me everywhere. So you're told these things, like if you made a mistake a long time ago, you didn't finish something that, you know, the best you could hope for is, you know, minimum wage. Right. And I had achieved above that. So I was like, this is better than I could have hoped for, but that doesn't mean it's the best. That doesn't mean it was what I should be doing for the rest of my life. It would have been settling if I would have stayed there. And, and it's actually using failure. To me, it's not a, a good way to view failure. Failure is not failure. Failure is, is simply a learning experience. I mean, I, I love Edison's quote when making the light bulb. It took over a thousand tries and a journalist was interviewing him and I said, so you failed a thousand times? And he said, no, I just found a thousand different ways it didn't work. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people, a lot of people see complacency or compromise or settling as better than failing mm. like you know failing's the worst thing don't fail because that's like bad on you so it's better yeah than, yeah, mm, yeah see i was basically forced to leave my job because of my son got diagnosed and he couldn't go to daycare and so i was forced to leave my job and in i mean kind of i kind of failed because like I tried to work from home and it didn't work out. I ended up on welfare, um, but it was like, I was just going down so I could bounce back up basically, you know what I mean? Right. And so, but if I would have never tried, if I would have never failed, then I wouldn't have figured out, you know, a better way to do things. Right. You know, and that's interesting because the two things, the two big things that happened in the last six years for me, losing my first husband and then leaving my second husband have actually brought me to a place I have never been in my life. And that is for the first time in my life, I feel joy. I wouldn't, I don't think I would have gotten there had those things not happened. And I hate saying that because I miss my first husband terribly, mm -hmm. but yet you're right. It took, it took massive loss or massive fuck up for me to get to a place of saying, okay, I'm starting over. Let's look at how to start over differently. And, and I'll tell you, I, I, I haven't loved my life more than I love it right now. Truly. There, yeah, there are so many, I mean, excuse the cliche-ness, but there are so many quotes like that on the internet where it's like, you know, your the biggest love of your life will probably come after, you know, your biggest heartbreak or you can't have, uh, rainbows without rain or, you know, but it, mm -hmm. as silly as they sound, it's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think, so one of the things I guess I would urge that I have to, I have to listen to myself is listen to myself more, you know, uh, and when I catch something's going wrong, stop and ask myself what's going wrong and what's going on, not being afraid of the answer, realizing that the answer is just going to give me more information, which then means I have more control. Um, and then begin to figure out some incremental, like reasonable steps to kind of move away from that, whatever it is that's putting me in that place. I think that's what I need to do to be able to avoid these better. What do you think? How about for you? What will help you avoid bad mental health days or burnout? Um, paying attention. Well, 
taking proactive steps um, to do things that kind of keep it from happening in the first place, which would be, you know, getting outside and getting enough sleep, um, prioritizing those things. Cause those are like last minute things, especially when I'm, you're a mom. Yeah. You know, like without fail, sometimes my kids will wake up in the middle of the night. And I mean, there are times where I was working till three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and Graham would wake up at three 30 and then I would just be screwed. Whereas mm-hmm. if I would have went to bed at 10, I would have at least gotten five hours of sleep. Right. right. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I know that, I know that. So listening to yourself is a huge thing. Right. Right. Yeah. So doing the things that we don't like to do because like drinking enough water, getting the new good nutrition, getting out, getting some exercise. Those are all things that as much, I mean, mom has said that to us. We, we all know it. We hear it everywhere. It is hard to implement. I mean, this is, this was a thought I had this week, Ashley, that I thought was really interesting. Isn't it weird how pampering ourselves is bad habits? It's not the good habits that feels like pampering. It's the bad habits, but it's, it's a reversing that mindset, you know, that realize that when we do these good habits, we're pampering ourselves. Oh yeah. I always pampering myself. is always like eating junk food and binge watching a show or yeah. Having a little and ignoring, food. ignoring all my responsibilities. Exactly. I know, but isn't it, it's like back ass for it. should not be that way. It's, it's no. not funny. It, yeah. And it's, it's, I am really trying to like, for a long time now, I'm like, I don't reward myself with food. I reward myself with something else. And um, it needs to be the same way. Like I used to be like, okay, if I get everything on my to-do list done and you're right, it should be, I'm going to reward myself with whatever. Like a really nice walk. Yeah. Or something. But like, if I, if I get outside and get enough sleep and I go to bed early and I do the shit I'm supposed to do, you know, as much as I say, like, you don't get a reward for, you know, showing up and at work. Like you, you don't get a, a, partic- a participation trophy for that shit. Sometimes a little bit of an incentive when you're in the mindset and you feel like you just, there's nothing, like there's no drive to do anything. Sometimes a little incentive is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. I so agree. I totally agree. All right. Well, this has been a good a good topic. I feel like anytime we talk about things like this, I always learn things about myself. <laughs> mm, me too. I hear myself say, I think that's another like takeaway. And that is, you know, slow down, talk it through with somebody. Don't be ashamed because we're all human. We all, we all struggle with this to talk it through or journal about it or, or something because you're right. Self-awareness, you can't change something if you're not self-aware, if you're not aware of it. It takes becoming mm-hmm. aware to make a change. So yeah, I do too. It's helpful. Well, and not, and you said something like not being ashamed of it. It, you know, I have learned from my mom's struggles of, I do not feel like I have to present an image that is completely put together. Yeah. You know, my mom really struggled with that where she had to always look like she had her shit together. Um, Just out of, you know, pride. And that's what you did. Like you don't air your dirty laundry and all those things. And I know that she kind of struggles with the fact that I very adamantly am like, I'm a mess. And I tell everybody like, I am a fucking mess, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of letting that guard down, at least with yourself. Cause sometimes I try to convince myself that I have more of it together than I actually do. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, to let yourself be human. And I really like the idea of it's not being perfect. It's just being simply good enough. And being good enough is showing up for what you need to do today and maybe limping. You may be doing the entire day as a limp, but hey, mm-hmm. you showed up. Yeah, exactly. Showing up and limping through something is a lot better than just staying in bed. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Girl Get Your Shit Together podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.